Welcome back to the Industry Podcast. This is part two of our two-part interview with Aubrey Slater. We picked the conversation up discussing the difficulties of dealing with addiction, Aubrey's move back home to Pittsburgh, and then eventually back to New York City, how she became homeless, making the commitment to transitioning into a woman full-time while cleaning her life up, and then eventually getting her life back on track, and how she landed her latest job as Chief Development Queen for St. Luna Moonshine. Another wild ride and a great story. Enjoy the show. I wanted to talk to you a little bit uh, to touch on this a little bit more as well, because um, before we started recording, we were sort of having like a sort of intro conversation. We just getting to know each other a little bit. And you were mentioning about how, well, I'll let you, you put it way more eloquently than I'll be able to repeat, but like about how the struggle of your like trying to find yourself, like you're not, you're so unhappy with your situation that 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 the only thing you can think to do is put yourself in more destructive uh, situations but you oh, yeah. be better so uh, <laughs> yeah. um i think i put it it's like i always describe it you know it's like you're living in your own prison you know you're walking around in a body that isn't yours you know you don't recognize it's not familiar it's uh it, it it's just really hard to care about yourself and what happens to you when when you're like when you're not living your life mm-hmm. you know it's like this isn't my life this isn't me this isn't how things are supposed to be and because of that I, I i put myself in a lot of very precarious situations like i said there is you know especially in san francisco it's like you'd go to someone's apartment and it was like can i get you something to drink would you like some water some coffee some crystal meth Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I got nothing to do for the next, you know, sixty hours. I might as well. Yeah. I know. Off I, I had a seven, I had a seventy-two hour experience as well. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. It was my first time trying anything like that, and like I was, um, uh, you know, surprised about how long it lasted. It's like at some point you're just like, okay, damn, I, I'm done with this now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I first did it, like when I was young, I was, I called it fake awake. I was just like, you're awake, but you want you're exhausted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's draining. <laughs> But when you keep on doing it, it's just oh, like, God. it's so funny. I, I got to the point where I was so skinny. I was so emaciated that when my screen friends saw me, they were like, holy shit, dude, you're dying. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, are you okay? And then I'd be around like my gay friends. And they'd be like, girl, you're fabulous. You look great. I'm doomed. <laughs> oh man. Oh, well, so that's kind of crazy. Like, so you're, you're having an amazing learning experience at that time, doing all the stuff you're doing with wine, but your personal life is just off the fucking rails. Uh, just a shit show, doing yeah. porn for like Treasure Island videos and just like, just in places. Like I could tell you, I, I mean, honestly, I could tell you stories that would just like, crawl your toes, but that's, mm. it's just, it was wild. It was wild, but it was, it was heartbreaking. You know, it's like mm. crushing my girlfriend's soul. You know, she was, didn't know you know we broke up for a year like i was just like out of you just nuts <laughs> you know but like still kept the job somehow you know bartending at one place or another or picking up some project you know and there was only the only time that i really had like like i said had a problem um was during the whole financial crisis you know when the economy just bottomed out and you know it's like everybody 
who worked in restaurants but kept saying like I'm going to get a big boy job one day and you know they get some like low level data entry job or you know they right. you know some low level at some corporate job and then they all get let go but where do they go they naturally come back to the restaurant industry mm-hmm. you know and here I am in my mid 30s like early mid 30s and it's like I'm sitting next to some young girl who's like 22 you know like some double D chess and it's like this cattle call of you know for a job listing you know in the mission district and I'm in a suit Right. You know, next to me is wearing like a Sonic U t-shirt, ripped jeans and, and chucks. Yeah. And I'm not getting the jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the hell am I doing wrong? You know, and between like the drug addiction, not being able to get a job, my whole gender problem, like having instances like at home by myself and like putting my girlfriend's new dress on and having her come home unexpectedly and seeing me and just like bursting out into tears. And, you know, I'm sitting there like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry, babe. Like I didn't mean for you this. And, and she's like, you know, crying and sobbing like, oh, it's not the fact that you're wearing my dress. You know, it's that you look better in it than I do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and this kind of stuff starts sinking in. (laughs) But the whole tension of it all. Then I got pneumonia. And we, you know, we broke up and it was just like, just horrible. Everything just kind of came to this horrible head. And then my mom called me out of the blue saying that she needed help taking care of my grandfather. You know, she can't do it by herself. And so I up and moved to Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that now you're talking about two extremely different, well, three in a row, actually, from Maui to San Francisco, back to Pittsburgh. Uh, I've been to San Francisco and Pittsburgh. They're both very fun, but they're both fun in very different ways. Uh, like, um, yeah. <laughs> Pittsburgh's like blue collar, hardcore, steel town. Like, I, I remember I was there like probably only two three years ago and there were still though i've almost been like three years ago now uh, st- uh still bars where you could fully smoke inside yeah smoke. <laughs> it's, it was crazy i like we've been smoke free here in ontario for a fucking since 2000 yeah so um uh so yeah talk to me a little about going back to pittsburgh and now you're working in bars there what uh um what was that scene like for you um, well, at first, you know, like 35, well, I moved there when I was 34, like right at the end, like my birthday is in January. I moved to Pennsylvania. Um, I, I arrived Thanksgiving day, um, and then turned 35 living with my mother and my grandfather. And I hadn't lived with my mother since I was like 18. <laughs> so now are I you, felt, I'm sorry, just to, for to have perspective, are you still in the throes of the drug addiction at this point or are you, you'd moved to the other end of it? Well, I, I, you know, just, I didn't know where to get it. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best answer of all time. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be like completely honest about it. Like there's none to be found, which was good. But then I started having it FedEx from San Francisco to my mom's house. Oh. And, uh, I just had an incident one, one, weekend one week really where it's just like i got it like on a a monday and then just smoked it all week stayed up all week long when i was training for a new new restaurant 
at the same time, and just like had a, a real like out of mind experience. I had a, a complete psychotic breakdown where I saw scarecrows in my mother's front yard, and I thought like there was lasers being pointed at me through the windows. I had a blanket up over the window, like <laughs> craziness. Till I found myself like naked in a fetal position in between the wall and the dresser. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. It's funny how sometimes like you just need like it's a cliche, but like you do need to get scared straight in a certain way. And different, you know, different people have different versions of what that means. But I don't think people talk enough about sometimes you have a psychotic episode while you're high. And that's what scares you straight. <laughs> well, it was, it was insane, like insane. I honestly, it was like full on hallucinations. You know, the next morning I keep running up and down thinking my car was being towed. My mother's like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, you know hiding in my room just like it's nonsense so i stopped for like three years and i i got jobs like i was general manager of a fine dining restaurant out like right outside of pittsburgh (laughs) um which i think that the coolest thing that happened there i was with my i met my friend sarah who is like my sister now but, um, yeah, there was a very weird owner. The owner was strange and, like, was having an affair. Like, I'd, I'd have to, you know, at nighttime, he'd come back with, like, his mistress and go up to the office, and I'd be leaving. You know, the next morning, I'd have to come and work with his wife. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Very stressful. But one time, I, I was scheduled to manage. It was, like, a Saturday lunch. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't tell me how slow they were that he doesn't schedule staff. Oh. So I came into like no staff and freaked out. So I called a couple of the servers and Sarah was one of the, the people who was like, all right, I love you. I'll show up. I hate you for this. <laughs> so she came in and I had a couple guys at the bar. And then these three older people came in and two of them sat at a, at a high top. And the one gentleman comes up to order a drink and he, I'll never forget this drink. It was a gray goose and soda, a gray goose on the rocks, and three waters. And uh, I'm like, you know, making the drinks. And he sits down, and then I hear snoring. (laughs) And I look up, and he's like literally in the chair with his head all the way back, mouth agape, snoring like real loud. I'm like, yo, is your friend okay? And they go to wake him up, and he falls out of the chair onto the ground. And it's dying. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm just like, so I call the paramedics. The paramedics come. And Sarah and I are holding open the front door. And they're wheeling him out on the gurney. And he, just as they wheel him by, he just lets out his, like, his last breath. Just like that. Oh, and that was it. He died. Holy fuck. So Sarah and I gelled over that and that was crazy. And I told the owner and when he came back, the first thing he says to me was like, I thought I told you to bring those tables out of the private dining room into the I was just like, people are freaking out. I 
close. It's like, I'm sorry about the high tops. But the tables, the tables. <laughs> what did I tell you? Do your job. I'm like, oh, Christ. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe he needed them for the affair later that night. Who knows what he was up to, you know? Um, but uh, from there, I went to a, a brand new fine dining restaurant in downtown Pittsburgh with Sarah. We both went for jobs there, and I got a bartending job there, and um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, didn't stay there too long. I cl- kind of clashed with the the general manager. She really didn't know what she was doing, and he, she she thought herself to be a wine expert. And I'm a second level sommelier and yeah. I wasn't trying to step on toes, but all the staff would come to me to ask questions, mm-hmm. which really just like set her off. I don't know. She was just not very nice. So I left there and ended up at a great place, but it was like a restaurant in a mall in Beaver Valley, Pennsylvania. Oh. And it was just like, wow, how, how far the mighty have fallen. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just like from working at some of the top cocktail bars in the world to beer being at a place in a mall. Um, But I learned so much about craft beer. It was ridiculous. Like people in in the Pittsburgh area love their beer. Mm -hmm. What's the, what's Um, the big, uh, what's the big local beers? There's a couple local beers in Pittsburgh that I remember from being there, but I can't remember what they're called. What are the big ones? Um, well, there's Penn Brewery. Uh, there's, um, let's see, there's Fatheads. Yeah, uh, I remember that one, sort of. I mean, there's a lot in the area, like Great Lakes. Um, oh, man, I'm trying to think right now. There's just so many small ones. Yeah, but they, but you're right. They just love craft beer there, right? They do. They really do. Um, so I learned a lot about beer. And then the most pivotal point in my life, I think, happened at this restaurant. I was uh, bartending one night, and it was a quiet night. And um, there was a six talk that came in of these young people. And I was like, you know, slash bartending, serving. And this guy got up from the bar, from the scene, came over to me and he's just like, Hey, he's like, just pick me out a beer and give me two. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> he's like done. So I brought it over and I was like, obviously you're from out of town. <laughs> it's like, so where are you from? He's like, New York city. And I was like, Oh, very cool. What do you do there? And he's like, I own a couple cocktail bars. I'm like, you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> so, after dinner, him and his girlfriend came up to the bar. The other four people left. And we started geeking out over cocktails and, you know, really hit it off. And next thing you know, he's like back in the bar with me and we're making drinks. <laughs> and he looked at me and he's just like, what the fuck are you doing here? Mm, yeah. And I'm like, making cocktails. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, no. He's like, you're a sommelier. You've worked in some of the top bars in the country. He's just like, what the hell are you doing here? And I think, ah, yes. Um, I'm here for family obligations. You know, I came back to help my mom take care of my grandfather. And he's like, well, I'm opening up a new place in Manhattan and I want you to run it. Wow. And I was like, wow. (laughs) I was like, what an amazing offer. You know, we exchanged information. We were really excited about it. And then they left. 
Well, I didn't, you know, I just chalked it up to like, you know, we were, we were buzzed, we were excited, you know, just bar chat. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he came back a couple months later and, um, I was just like, listen, you know, I was like, I understand if we got carried away, it's all good. He's like, no, I'm dead serious. So eventually my grandfather passed away and I, it was, it gave me the freedom of being able to leave. Mm-hmm. Like my mom was in a good place. She was fine. And so up, up, I went to New York city and <laughs> At, at first, like it was, it was rough because it was 2012, and I moved here in September of 2012, and the place was still being built. So I had had enough money saved up for like a couple months, and then in October, Hurricane Sandy hit. Oh, oh. Jesus Christ! I know. So it was like your your all, life. Your life is like just uh, sort of. Um, encapsula- encapsulates everything that went wrong in America and like it's weird it's so crazy how all these major events sort of touch you at major moments in your life oh my god the beverage director for one of the companies I worked at here in New York he used to call me uh, Forrest Gump he was just like everything that's happened yeah. in the past few years you've been there <laughs> it's like, yeah or like yeah like, what's that Stupid Woody Allen movie where the uh, whatever we shouldn't talk about Woody Allen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about Woody Allen. <laughs> he seems like he seems like not that great a guy. Uh, he's misunderstood. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, mean, I was really a fan before he was weird. Yeah, or at least knew about it. <laughs> so man, it's so hard these days. <laughs> I, I know, right? I'm just like I'm kind of like I'm a tranny. I kind of get out of jail free card. Like I can say what I want. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> so things got pretty desperate for me because, like, I was running out of money. This place still wasn't open yet. Um, he introduced me, my friend who was opening the bar. This gentleman, uh, Jeremy Strawn, who owned a couple, you know, like he owned Mulberry Project in Little Italy and a couple other places. Um, and so a friend of his, who was just, just very wealthy gentleman, who became good friends, who I became good friends with, but he, he paid my rent. He's just like, you know, I'm helping out somebody who was a veteran. He's just like, I got the means to do it. He's just like, I know you're going to do great. And he paid my rent and kept me there. Um, cause I was about to, you know, fold it in and go back to Pennsylvania. That's amazing. Yeah, so it was really these, these very weird little moments that just, like, were very surprising that kept me in New York. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like I left Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh, and I was really good for three years. And then now I'm in the city, and I'm starting to do well. And then next thing I know, you know, I'm starting to party again, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I just had – and then I decided – I was there about a year when I decided like I was going to bite the bullet and start my transition. And I, uh, I was desperately in love with this girl that I left in Pennsylvania. And 
it just <laughs> between like working a lot and doing drugs again and it's just like I got so obsessed with this girl I think I'm up in my head and scared the shit out of her I'm sure but I went back to see her and she wouldn't see me and I was just like so heartbroken and I flew back to New York and I had this cathartic moment and I was like even if I were to get this girl you know this girl of my dreams eventually this is going to all come to the surface again. My, you know, Aubrey is going to happen Mm -hmm. and it's going to be the same shit that's ruined every other relationship. You know, like they find panties. Are these, are these, you know, do these belong to another woman? It's like, uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) How many of them were just like, that's a bullshit excuse. (laughs) You don't really want to tell them, but it's like, I can promise you they are not another woman. <laughs> but then they find you know like some weird tranny porn hidden in the dresser drawer you know something that would cause like a horrible argument or conversation mm-hmm. that you know that at least they would try at first to understand but it was a lot to ask of somebody and for me it's just like going into the relationship I presented myself as this like you know straight masculine male yeah. And it was a lie. It was a lie. Yeah, and then it, honest with them if you're not being honest with yourself. Exactly. And I was just like, it's not fair to them. It's definitely not fair to me. You know, so I bit the bullet and I didn't know really what to do. So I, I got online and found one of these like offshore pharmacies, you know, like off the coast of India somewhere um, and ordered vials of injectable estrogen. Holy shit! They, that, that's a that's a gangster way to go about it, but I would expect nothing less from you. Oh, okay. <laughs> just put it in a needle, goddamn it! <laughs> Between like the drug addiction kicking in again, starting my transition, and then I lost my job, and just like had this like complete downward spiral to the point where um, they were. They basically, the apartment building I was living in with two roommates, they kicked everybody out of the building because they just wanted to jack up the rent prices. Mm. So as much money I was making, I was spending... Is this building owned by the Kushners by any chance? It's quite possible. (laughs) (laughs) It was in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And um, so I didn't have money saved up. And ended up like living with with a drug dealer and it was a waking nightmare it was probably the worst i've ever been and this is like being after being shot losing friends like having a hard ass life like doing weird shit like this this was it was horrible like i was abused i was starving i i just i mean he used me abused me and i just didn't even know what to do and on my birthday I opted, I was just like, I would rather live in the streets than spend one more second here in this house of horrors. <laughs> and so I ended up in the streets. I ended up, but at the same time, I got a job at a brand new place that was opening up and ended up <laughs> as their general manager and sleeping in a freight container in an abandoned lot in bed Brooklyn. In the middle of winter. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I lived under a dining room table in a freight container um, during the winter is like 2014 when we had the Arctic freeze where it was like negative two here in New York city. And I was living in a metal box. (laughs) Yeah, it was horrible. And then finally I figured out, you know, I started working with the system and got placed in like the shelter system and was put in something called an SRO, a single room occupancy which is basically a dorm building for homeless people. So you get a little nine by 11 cell, a bed, a dresser, if you're lucky, a microwave. And then it's a shared shower in the halls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not exactly the optimal place to be while starting your transition. Oh, I was just thinking that exact same thing. I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's not, that's not what they like lay out in the pamphlet. <laughs> yeah, I know. I didn't read this in the brochure, God damn it. <laughs> but, um, I learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, being in the system for like three years, but the whole time it's like, you know, I'm, you know, at the beginning it was just like, yeah, 25% of the time I was dressing as a girl, 75% as a boy, you know, then it slowly started, you know, it was like 50, 50. Then like one day it was like the first SRO I was living in and I was friends with this wonderful, like black trans woman. And I go into her room and dress like a girl. And she's like, Oh my God. She's just like back and forth, back and forth, boy, girl, boy, girl. Like, I'm, I'm just so tired of it. She's like, you need to pick a side and get off the feds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I ask you a question? Like in, in your yeah. experience from like, um, well, because I mean, I'm just wondering, is that like, would you say that was sort of, uh, is that like a regular way to go about this? Is that how most people go about their transformation? Do you find like it's a slow process or just, or are more people are just like, boom, that's what I need to do? Um, I think, you know, the times they are changing and, you know, like I mentioned previously, like back in the, in the late eighties, early nineties, like there weren't options, you know? And right. Now there's like, you know, whole clinics dedicated to trans health and, and, and transition. And, you know, there's like kids like 12 years old starting on hormone therapy these days. Mm -hmm. And it's just. But at that time, like, was there, was, is that sort of like a, a, would would that be the more. um, No, it was like right before, like it really came, you know, into the public eye, like as when it really started, you know, like the Caitlyn Jenner thing and, you know, having like, uh, what's that show where Jeffrey, what's his face plays the trans woman. Yeah. 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 I was trying to think of the name of that show last night and I couldn't remember it either. (laughs) I know it starts with trans, but (laughs) transparent, transparent. Well, see that it was too obvious. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. There were a snake, it would have bit us. Yeah. <laughs> um, Is this to lead so, to a story where the snake bit you? Because I feel like it's going to. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not going to give away the story. <laughs> so I was bit by a tranny snake. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Uh, okay, sorry. Continue your story. That was. <laughs> yeah. So basically, after 
after my friend Ambrosia told me to get the hell off the fence and mm-hmm. choose a side, I had gotten my cash assistance um, and ran straight to the nail salon and got acrylic nails put on so I couldn't take them off. And that was it. Oh, that was, that, oh yeah. Was yeah, good. that's good. Yeah, so it's kind of like, I can't take this back now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was probably the saddest form of this. It's not like getting a tattoo or something. Yeah. You know, like, I'm going to cut off my arm and, you know, that's but it. It's pro- but it's probably more effective than a tattoo that says, I am now trans. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> At least a lot less regrettable in the future. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So then I was uh, still shuffling around, but, you know, it's just like I'm this, like, way transgender woman, and I'm being put in, like, the worst neighborhoods in the Bronx. (laughs) Just, like, it was really, like I said, it was eye-opening. It was a learning experience. Like, I got my street cred. Um, I was, you know, it made me a lot tougher. It definitely, I went from like (laughs) zero to solid New Yorker Mm -hmm. in in a matter of minutes. (laughs) So that was it. Um, then I met this one person online on Facebook who lived in Texas and was a, and we kind of hit it off and he decided he was going to come up to New York to visit me and stay in this like really horrible place that I was living in. And uh, he took me out and, you know, he bought me like a really nice human hair wig and I got my nails done. And, you know, he gave me like a thousand dollars and a laptop and got me all set up. And, you know, we really hit it off and fell in love. And he moved, he went back to Texas and I, uh, you know, took the money he gave me and, Got some meth. <laughs> oh fuck! I know. But then I came to a realization. I was just like, "Wow!" I was just like, "I am now, you know, on the verge of becoming, you know, an attractive woman, you know, and I could either keep doing the same bullshit that I've been doing my entire life." And I'll end up some toothless crack whore, <laughs> and, or I could. You know, and I was just like, that's not really what I want for myself. I was like, it's not who I am. You know, the drugs, everything. It's like, it's never really been who I was. You know, it was there to destroy who I didn't want to be. Mm -hmm. And so I I stopped. I, I, I started slowing down and I finally started cleaning up. And I was like, that's it. And I got a resume together and... Out I went into the world, you know, and put myself out there as this, you know, trans person trying to, uh, you know, get a job. And it was terrifying. Mm. <laughs> it was terrifying. Well, and I know you mentioned in your bio that um, everybody was just like, oh, you should go work at a gay bar. You should go work at the gay club. Uh, and and it's kind of like, I mean, it's sort of like prejudiced almost in a way where it's just like, oh, of course, the uh, trans woman that needs to work at a gay club first off men are silly <laughs> you, don't, you, know, like, you don't have to tell us <laughs> yeah boy being on this side of the fence really gives you perspective i'll tell you 
just like, man, before when I was a guy, all my guy friends, I was like, wow, we're fucking awesome. And then I became a girl. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you people? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like I was broke. I was starving. You know, it's just like I was homeless. And, you know, my friends are like, why don't you try and get a job in a gay bar, you know, like a place that will accept you? Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's a logical solution, you know, and but for me, I'm like, man, I've been working in this industry for like 20 years. I've, you know, I worked with amazing people, worked at amazing places. I'm a sommelier. I'm like, I would be doing myself a disservice and, and the trans community a disservice if I were to you know, just fall into the holes that was socially, you know, um, expected of me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, you're in the gay community. Why don't you work in the gay community? It's like, well, you know, it's like I'm a little bit better than just serving vodka crayons to, you know, to people and making cosmos all night. I was like, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I have more experience than that. I have more to offer. Yeah, obviously, a resume <laughs> speaks for itself at this point, right? Like, yeah. Exactly. You know, and it's just like, just because I'm transgender, I don't understand. I didn't understand why that should, you know, keep me from doing the things that I love to do, you know, and going for the jobs that I want to have. And so I, I, I suffered for a while, you know, until I was able to get the confidence you know, to get out there, put myself out there and do this. <laughs> and I went to a few job interviews before I got hired at a fine dining restaurant in Harlem. And our chef had won like the James Beard Award and we had a great cocktail program and we were associated with an amazing jazz club and I helped bartend there. And it, it was a great feeling and it was very educational um, just like how, you know, with human nature and how people accept things that they are not used to. Mm-hmm. Like at first, you know, people would talk behind my back and, you know, they would laugh at me and snicker. And, but then next thing you know, like just out of instinct, guys were like, let me carry that for you here. Let me get the door for you. You know, it just kind of like fell into place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like once they got to know me as a person, you know, I wasn't just like, an idea anymore. I wasn't just this, you know, weird abstract, you know, character. Mm-hmm. And the worst thing that happened was I went down into the kitchen and one of the kitchen guys tried to sneak a picture of me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was just like, oh no, I, I would, I was so mad. And I went up to the, the executive chef and I was like, listen, man, I was like, I'm going to tell you this. I was like, what are your little creeps? Yeah. He's like sneaking around thinking he's funny, trying to take pictures of me like it's a, some, you know, some like, damn Bigfoot sighting. Yeah, like a fucking freak show or something. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was just like, I was like, you don't need to give him any warnings. You don't need to rate him up. Just tell him this for me. The next time he does it, I'm going to stomp his ass. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. You got shot down. That's pretty much Yeah. 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 I, I, I wonder if he knew, if he had any clue who he was fucking with at this point. <laughs> no idea. There have been a few people who didn't know who they were fucking with when I was in transition. I believe it. <laughs> it a very rude awakening. <laughs> so... And I told him, I was like, I'll beat the shit out of him. I was like, that's it. End of story. You know what's going to happen. So warn him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was just like, that's awesome. He's like, no, I will definitely reprimand him. So, but I ended up leaving there. 
I ended up getting um, shingles. <laughs> oh my god! All Aubrey, my- what the fuck? <laughs> I know, dude. It was horrible. It was oh, all I, I just want to take time out to say, for the shit you've been through, you have the most amazing sense of humor and attitude of anyone who could have gone through this shit. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, 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 that just needs to be addressed. <laughs> but please continue with your with, your, with the, the next malady that occurred to you. <laughs> Right. Yeah, this is all this is all I, I survived due to Marine Corps training except for five, sir. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you just take a beat and keep on going. Um so I had shingles on my left arm, so I couldn't even move it. So I was like bartending's a mood point right now. Um so I took like a, a month hiatus, a couple months. And then once again, was out there and got a job pretty quick bartending at this little Italian place in the West Village. Stayed there for a few months, wasn't really feeling it. And then got a job at at an amazing place um, with a company, uh, Happy Cooking, um, and bartended at this place called Fedora. And it was awesome. It was, bartending there was like guerrilla warfare because it was a small restaurant and because of the limited amount of seating capacity, they took reservations at the bar. Oh, yeah. Okay. So not only are you bartending like too deep at your bar, but you're also ha- expected to give fine dining service to every guest that's sitting at the bar. Oh, yeah. And on busy nights, there were three of us behind this little this bar. And it was crazy. But, I mean, I honed my skills. Um, and really became like just it, it just I felt very well rounded. It's like I could do service bar and crank out three thousand dollars worth of cocktails, mm-hmm. all while taking on you know four to five guests in my little area at the bar. And it got me in a place that also had a great reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, after that. I had a really hard time trying to find a job and it got really desperate. And I don't know if maybe just trans people weren't trending anymore, but I just couldn't, I couldn't get a job to save my life. Like it was desperate times. And I was like on cash assistance again. I was in an apartment with my boyfriend, but he wasn't working. I wasn't working. I'm living off of literally $75 a week and food stamps. And going to like 15 job interviews a week. And just the rejection was, oh man, talk about taking a beating to your self-confidence and your self-worth. I, I felt like, I was like, oh, I'm never going to get a job again. Like, so I just go, didn't know. Like, can we just call this what it is? Because obviously, like, you, it, the reason you're not getting a job has clearly nothing to do with your fucking resume at this point. Like, and, it's, <laughs> so yeah, like... So this is just straight up prejudice against hiring a trans woman. There were moments like I'd go into an interview and they couldn't even look at me. <laughs> you know, just like I felt like I had a horn growing out of my head and it was so frustrating and just so sad. I just I'm just like I've had like three jobs already in high profile places as a trans woman. <clears throat> I'm like you know, in my mind, I can only benefit your situation. Mm. I was just like, I'm a phenomenal bartender 
And who's going to fucking forget me? Yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you know, yeah. Here's a six foot tall, blonde hair, blue eyed trans woman serving you dinner and drinks. You know, what are they going to remember from the damn meal? <laughs> yeah. So who gives you a break at this point? How do you finally find work? Uh, I, 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 at this point in time, I was like, you know, I had applied for management jobs. I'd applied for bartending jobs. Um, and then finally I was just like, shit. I was just like, I saw a server position and it was, I'm living in the Bronx and it's in Brooklyn and it's, uh, on an old sailboat that had been retrofitted to become a restaurant. And the company has two of them, one in Brooklyn, one in Manhattan. And I was just like, you know, it's like you try to keep a positive attitude, you know, because it's like, I'm not going to get a job if I go and interview as like, oh, fuck it. You're not going to give me the job anyway. Fuck this shit, you know? Right. So you try, and but in the back of your head, you've just already been so, so defeated you know, and I'm coming up to this boat and I see this lovely young lady sitting down there and I go down and, you know, we start the interview process and I'm like going through the whole rigmarole and answering the same, you know, general questions. And, and then I was just like, well, I was like, it was really lovely meeting you. I was like, I really, you know, I, <laughs> You know, I'm kind of downtrodden. I'm just like, I, I, I really hope I hear from you. And she's like, are you kidding me? She's like, you will definitely hear from me. I was just like, man, I haven't been able to get a job to save my life. She's like, well, you got one now. Oh. And I was like, really? She's like, oh, my God. She's like, when they sent me your resume, she's like, I thought I hit the fucking lottery. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, I started crying. And I was like, when can I start? She's like, is tomorrow okay? <laughs> so I got a job working on this boat, um, waiting tables. And I hadn't waited tables in over a decade. But, you know, just got back up on that horse and waiting tables is easy. So I just rocked it out and became like one of their top servers. And But it was seasonal since it was outdoors. So it ended, I want to say, around Halloween. And I was out of work again. And, <laughs> you know, it was like the same nonsense again, trying to find a job. And it was like I, I was unemployed through the holidays. And it was around February, I think, of the following year. And I saw an ad in Craigslist for, like, looking for, like, actors, models, um, trans people. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, well, I was like, we can't turn this down. Yeah. And so I, I had to send them a picture with my resume. And I'm just like, oh, hell. I was like, this should be interesting. So I sent the picture and then I had to go for a photo shoot. I was like, what kind of serving position, you know, bartending position? I had to go for a photo shoot. <laughs> so I was just like, well, here's the nail in my coffin. <laughs> like just, I'm a 40 something year old trans woman. I was just like, I'm no model by any means. I was like, I, 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 we'll see what happens, you know? And they take 
take the pictures. I'm like, okay, well, that was that. That was fun. That was an interesting experience. And then I got a call for an interview and it was a brand new, like super swanky lounge slash like um, performance um, spot that was owned by Tom Clicchio. And it was his first foray into nightlife and it was called Alley Cat Amateur Theater. And it started off really cool. You know, we had like live performances. I mean, everything from like the lead singer of the rock, the punk band X to, you know, acoustic to um, Japanese rope bondage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like, it sounds like my Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, color me. Color me. <laughs> Jealous. <laughs> man but uh, it was really cool but it was only a few months before the powers that be said that they weren't really bringing in the money that they had anticipated and so they brought on these people who ran like the biggest nightclubs in new york that were like you know, just hives of douchebags and Russian mafia and bottle service and sparklers and, you know. The guys with no shirts. Yeah, and models serving you drinks yeah. and stuff. I'm not familiar with this. Like, I, you know, I haven't been in a nightclub scene since I danced on a box for Junior Vasquez. And so I never worked a nightclub, you know, as far as, like, running one. Mm-hmm. And it just... It just didn't work for me. Um, it was my one-year anniversary. The, uh, the entire management staff had left except for me. There's a whole new management staff, and they weren't really keen on me because, like, I'm the craft cocktail. I'm the fine dining girl. You know, I'm the – uh, and plus, during this whole time, like, I also had my, my gender reassignment surgery. Mm. So during working at this place, I got my breast done. I got my vagina put in. And uh, so <laughs> I had to deal with that and coming back to work and dealing with this nightclub nonsense and basically being with a super like tight knit management team to a management team that wanted nothing to do with me. Right. <laughs> you know, I was just like over the hill. I, I had no nightclub experience and it just was super uncomfortable. Yeah, nightclubs are a young person's game for sure. I don't care what position you're in. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It was wild, and so one night, I think it was my one year anniversary, and I never stay to drink at work. It's just a thing of mine. Like I just don't do it. Hmm. You know, I've had I've had some embarrassing moments at work where it's like I've learned my lesson. Right. <laughs> and so this one night it was like it was my friend Matthew he was a, a manager at our fine dining restaurant upstairs we're in the basement of this hotel <laughs> it's his last night at work so I'm drinking with him and then I come down I'm drinking with the staff and you know the, my my bar backs are bringing me like shots of Don Julio 1942 and guests are buying me drinks and I'm lit <laughs> so wasted and there's this group of three and sitting at one of our banquettes. Now our couches cost like 
$50,000. Our rugs were like $20,000, like so much money in this place. Mm-hmm. And this girl's smoking a cigarette and people are complaining around her. And I'm like, Hey, could you put out your cigarette? You know, even I'm not on the clock. I'm not working anymore. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, yeah, fuck you, whatever. And I was like, Oh, what? <laughs> so <laughs> then I got, I was like, I'm not going to get into it with this woman. So I went and got the security guard. He came over, said that you can't smoke. And she looked at me, blew smoke in my face, dropped the cigarette, and basically put it out with her heel on her our, our, on our carpet. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I looked at her and I was like, wow, that's some bridge and tunnel shit right there. I was like, <laughs> I was like man, take your ass back to Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently she was a VIP and knew one of the, you know, one of the people running the club. And that was that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so how do you, well, uh, we're going to we'll let you go soon, but I just want to get into how you got into St. Luna with David and uh, what your job and role is for them now. Um, yeah, I actually, I was a beverage director for um, some great bars in East Village. And one of them was a Polynesian style cocktail, craft cocktail bar called Mother of Pearl. And I was throwing a charity event called Doom Tiki with guest bartenders, tiki drinks, and death metal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a good time. It's a lot of fun. Um, Shout out to my girl, Chalky Tom. She is brilliant. Um, Definitely, you know, an industry like legend. And she brought David in, my, my business partner. And I, I had, I was managing Mother of Pearl downstairs with Doom Tiki charity event going on. Upstairs was Honeybees, an American whiskey bar, with um, a swing band and a bunch of people upstairs drinking and doing swing dancing, and also managing Amoria Margo, our you know bitters cocktail bar in the back. So I was slammed. I was the only manager. David's trying, you know, like we're talking and he's trying to soft sell me, but I just have no time for it. Mm -hmm. Um, Fast forward, pandemic hits, everything closes. Uh, David hits me up out of the blue and he's like, hey, you want to hang out? He's like, I moved. I have an apartment right near Central Park, blah, blah, blah. He's like, come down, you know, we'll hang out, you know, have, you know, get some lunch in the park. And I was like, yes, absolutely. That sounds great. So we started hanging out occasionally. And then, um, he was a good friend of his is a a professional photographer and she wasn't getting much work at the time either. So she was helping David by doing, you know, free photo shoots. And, um, he, he was paying me to style his cocktails and, we just, you know, had a great rapport and built a wonderful friendship. And then earlier this year, he asked me to go on a sales trip with him to Pittsburgh. And since I lived there, I bartended there, I knew a lot of people there. Um, and I got to go home and see my mom. You know, it was a great opportunity for me and for him. So I went with him and we ended up opening like 10 new accounts in two days. Oh, wow. Yeah, it went really well. Um, 
And so we were driving home and he's like, Aubrey, he's like, I love you. You know, you did a great job. He's like, your networking skills are super impressive. He's like, you know, people from coast to coast. Uh, and he's like, I'm, I want to offer you ownership in the company. And I want you to work for us. Amazing. Well, I, I got to say, so um, when we had David, it's David Souk. You should check out this episode in the archives as well as many other ones that we have in the archives. But when we were talking to him, he was like slutting those sidewalks himself. Like, yeah, with he, was, a, he was pounding the pavement all yeah, the time on his like own. Backpack with a backpack full of the product and trying to get people to listen to him and get excited about moonshine, right? So, yeah, yeah, having someone like you must be like a huge boon to him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. I mean, he can sell shit too. I'm not trying to slag David. David, if you're listening, you better be fucking listening. But but David, if you're listening, we're not, I'm not, David can sell too, but I'm just like, I, you could, I could, Get from the conversation that he could use some help. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he was doing all of the selling, you know, sales by himself. And I'll tell you what, like he is 10 times, 100 times the salesperson I am. I've never been really in sales. I worked for like a small wine what distributor. What are you talking about? You've been in sales your whole life. I guess so. (laughs) I know what you mean, but not like a strictly sales job. I get your point. Exactly. Exactly. And now my official title is Chief Brand Development Queen. (laughs) Well, Aubrey, I got to say, this has been an unbelievable conversation. We're going to have to split this into two parts for sure. But uh, yeah. So, but that's a good thing. Um, and uh, we love St. Luna, we love David Souk, and uh, and we love him for hooking us up with you because this conversation has been amazing. Like you're, an, you're just an incredible person. It's been an unbelievable conversation. So we really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, like what a great. Thank story. you so much, my God. This is you've popped my podcast cherry. This is my first one oh, ever. Damn, oh, you're a natural. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, a bartender, man. It's my job to gab. I totally, yeah, exactly. Well, thanks again for coming on, and everybody should be checking out St. Luna and sticking with what these guys are doing right now because yeah. uh, it's it seems like an amazing product. And I, the one thing we will say, not to speak for you, Dan, like I do on every fucking episode, <laughs> but yeah. um, the the one thing we do know is that the two people we've talked to have been involved with this product are amazing people. So. Yep, that's true. Thank you very much. And look, you know, hopefully we'll be able to break into the Canadian market sometime oh, soon. We're waiting. I got two bars looking for looking for moon shine so <laughs> hey man well then i'll be hitting you up and picking your brain you guys thank you so much okay well thank you aubrey uh thanks again for coming on 